It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. You need to see a dog make a play. No puppies. I need a dog to make a play. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines to talk all things NFL. Of course, we're going to dip into some Raiders conversation because, well, there's a lot to get to. But, John, before we do that, I wanted to ask you about what we saw on Monday Night Football, the taunting penalty that's got everyone talking. Uh, Cassius Marsh gets called for a penalty. The official ends up bumping into him. Uh, what were your thoughts on the taunting penalty, and how has this gone a little bit too far so far this year? Well, I was more thinking more along the lines the Bears had a touchdown call back and they had to settle for a field goal and that they would have won the game with that. As far as the taunting penalty, don't blame the officials. Blame the NFL for putting the taunting rule in. It's confusing. It's very subjective. And they shouldn't have to deal with that. It's one thing, Q, to have blatant taunting. Like, say, DeMond sacks you, strip sack. He grabs the ball. You're lying on the ground. He's standing over you, and he slams the ball down, spikes it next to you. That's taunting. Looking at a bench shouldn't be taunting. There's so many things it shouldn't be, but I don't blame the officials. The NFL owners who take recommendations from the NFL competition committee at the league spring meetings every March, they're to blame. And the last people that should be voting in or out rules changes are owners because most of them are clueless when it comes to the, to the NFL. Do you think this is a situation similar to what we saw when the pass interference penalty was reviewable and then it lasted a year and it was gone? Do you think that'll happen with this uh, taunting penalty? No, it's not going to be gone because they want uh, to clean up taunting. Uh, as Mike Tomlin, who's on the competition committee, he said all the right things after the game, but that's because it didn't happen to him. Right. What if it happened to him and they, instead of being – a game behind the Ravens, they'd be two games behind the Ravens. He'd be livid. There's been times he's been angry at the officials this year, but it's amazing that every this Q's you're the fifth talk show I do on Tuesdays. Every one of them started with that game last night and the taunting penalty when there's so much more going on around the NFL controversy, winning and losing, and yet because of that game last night, everybody's talking about the taunting penalty. I think what they'll do, Q, is this. They will revisit it at the league meetings, the competition committee may, and then they may tweak it somehow and let it be legitimate. We know what taunting is. If if you're running for a touchdown and DeMond's chasing you and you hold the ball back in his face at the five-yard line, that's taunting. Right. I agree. I agree 100%. We're talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man, DeMond, speaking of him, he has a question for you. Go ahead, DeMond. All right, I'll leave it at this. But, John, do you think the official – Yes, Super Bowl he, contender. Yes, no, contender. no. Field so well, advantage in the AFC. They proved that on Sunday night against the Rams with that terrific upset. All right, John McClain, folks. <laughs> Oh, Go man. ahead, Devon. I was re- I was going to ask, do you think the officials maybe should be suspended a game or two for the blatant hip check? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't think so. Darn. I think he was doing a little rumba. and uh, But, no, Tony Quinn is a good official. I don't think so. I, don't, I also don't think it was, with all due respect, blatant. Blatant is what they do in wrestling. And, uh, but 
he might get fined. He might get, you know, they might knock a game off. But uh, it's amazing, a game that close that went down to the end and the Steelers were able to pull it out. And that unbelievable stat was it 214 games in a row they had won at home when he led by X points in the fourth quarter. And I admired the Bears for making it as close as they did. But I don't see anything coming out of that. No, I don't either at all. Talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicles, Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, John, earlier today, Odell Beckham Jr., he clears waivers. He was a member of the Cleveland Browns. Where do you think the best fit is for OBJ now moving forward? Well, first of all, he hasn't done squat in a long time. He's been hurt. He's been uh, he's not happy. He's involved in a lot of controversy in his career. But to me, the team that needs him would be the Raiders, now, for obvious reason. With Henry Ruggs gone, and they they blew that game against the Giants, which is still amazing to me when you get in the red zone six times and you score one touchdown, and the opposing quarterback throws for 110 yards and you get beat. But they they got a chance to win the division. You know, they're tied right now with the Chargers. And the Broncos and the Chiefs are half game behind them. They need everything they can get. I'll tell you something else. With everything that Mark Davis and Mike Mayock have had to deal with, with John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, and now Damon Arnett, you talk about stupid, my God. With all those things, they need a lift. And a lift could be not just on the field, but if they're able to sign Odell Beckham Jr., it would give the team a lift, the fans a lift, and I think it would be more to the Raiders than it would a team like, say, Seattle. And if the Raiders can, and, and Beckham Jr. is going to want a new contract, so it could be like baseball, where you're basically renting a guy for the rest of the season, not knowing if you can bring him back. But they need some good news out there. And then the Giants game, of course, that was embarrassing. But that's why I think it should be the Raiders. Don't know if it'll be. But I, if I'm him and I'm looking at teams out there in first place, do I want to go to Seattle? Seattle's 3-5. and five. The NFC is so much better than the AFC. The AFC has two teams, Tennessee with seven wins, Baltimore with six, and nine teams, I believe, have mm-hmm. four victories. So that there's more balance, and so I'm looking, I'm looking right there, and I'm looking at Las Vegas, and that's where I want to go. There you go. That's a good argument right there by John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on Unnecessary Roughness for the signing of OBJ to the Silver and Black. And you mentioned everything going on, John. And, I mean, you've been covering the league for a very long time. You've been around the cast and characters. You've been around some real-deal goons at, at times. You've seen them. You've covered them. What have you seen from this situation? Have you seen a team go through as much as the Raiders have in such a small amount of time? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the 1993 Houston Oilers, who have been the subject of uh, one of the football life of 30 to 30, they had during the season uh, a left tackle who refused to go to New England because his first child was being born and he wanted to be there. And now today that's not a big deal. And David Williams was their left tackle. They had started terrible. They started one and four. And they were playing the Patriots. They had benched their quarterback, Warren Moon, Hall of Famer, for the only time in his career. And they set up a charter flight to take Williams to the game, and he refused to go. But the starting quarterback got hurt. Moon came off the bench, led him to a victory, and they never lost another game and won the division. Later, 
They had a defensive tackle, Jeff Arm, who blew his brains out on Tuesday night during the season because he recklessly and drunk had had a wreck, and his best friend went flying out of the car and was killed. And we heard on the 911 call him kill himself. And then at the end of the year, nobody got killed when Buddy Ryan punched offensive coordinator Kevin Gilbride mm. on the sideline during a game against ESPN on ESPN nationally televised on a Sunday night. So those were three pretty big things that happened during that season. And they finished 12 and four, but they lost in the divisional round to the Chiefs and Joe Montana's last season. But I've never seen another team come close to having the controversy they had during the season, but the Raiders are right up there. Yeah, it really, it's it's crazy. Just the hits keep coming and coming and coming. Of course, the tragedy I, with... Uh, excuse, excuse me a minute. I'd like to say something about Mike Mayock. Okay. You know, John Gruden had final say on everything. Now Mike's in charge. And I think people around the NFL really respect Mike. He sounds like a cool head in a storm. He just comes across to me as a guy who knows what he's doing, and people should line up behind him. And so I think it's good for them that they've got Mayock as the out-front guy, meaning talking to the media, and they can still win this division. And then you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. So I, for all those other players and coaches in that organization, I think a lot of people around the country would like to see them have some good luck for a change because even the transition from Oakland to Las Vegas, having seen a team go through that here, with the Oilers moving to Tennessee, that is really difficult on a team, on players, people in the front office, the people you never see or hear about it on the business side of the organization. I think it would be great if the Raiders could get in the playoffs. No, and I think Raider Nation is all 100% behind you as far as that's concerned as well, John. And I'm glad you brought up Mike Mayock. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, for everything that has gone on and all the draft picks that haven't worked out, how much of it do you think? And I know this is a question for Mark Davis, but how much of you do, you, or how much do you think it will hold be held against him because John Gruden did have the end all be all? You know, will, will that be held against Mike Mayock as well? Well, it shouldn't be because Mark Davis is the one that gave John Gruden all that power, okay. and then John got Mike hired because Mike was very respected personnel guy who I thought did it better job on TV than anybody in that situation has. And even though I'd love to see him back on TV in that role, I'd hate to see him lose his job after all this. He's not responsible for any of this. What Mark Davis has got to decide, do we want to start all over? Do we want to sweep out the old and usher in the new? Or do we want to stick with Mike as general manager let him hire a head coach that Mark Davis signs off on and try to preserve some continuity. I think, guys, that the key to all that will be how do they play over the last eight games. Right. That's good. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. John John McClain dropping truth on us right now. Truth bombs. Nine I love it. Nine games. Sorry. Nine <laughs> games. Sorry. That's right. That's right. Forgot about that. That 17th game is going to creep up. And you mentioned how the AFC is wide open, John. Right now, every team in the AFC West has five wins. The Chargers and Raiders at 5-3, and three, the Broncos and Chiefs at 5-4. and four. I mean, the, the Raiders have a big game coming up this Sunday against the Chiefs, but what a division. How do you see this one shaking out, and, and who do you think gets the upper hand here? I have no clue. Right away, you would think of all the adversity, all the obstacles that have been put in front of the Raiders. 
that they're not going to win it. But I've seen adversity call, cause a team to bond, cause a team to rally a, around that adversity. The Chiefs, man, the Chiefs have committed more turnovers. You keep thinking, okay, Patrick Mahomes is going to get it together. He's a great quarterback. But teams that lose the Super Bowl tend to stink it up the next season. Right. Chargers, they've been a very quiet Five and three. Now, I don't believe in the Broncos. They went into Dallas. They made Dak Prescott have one of the worst games of his career. They knocked out Ezekiel Elliott, but I just don't think their quarterback play is good enough. So I think it's going to come down to the Chargers or the Raiders. But the Chiefs, you know, they're going to be right in the mix, so it's a three-team race. Yeah, no, it really will be, and it's going to be interesting how it all shakes out. Now, I did want to go back to, to Week 9 and just some of the games that the way they shook out. You mentioned the Broncos break, beating the brakes off the Dallas Cowboys. The Titans, they beat the Rams without Derrick Henry. Uh, the, the Bills lose to the Jags. I mean, Week 9 to me felt like that one week out of the season. I feel like we have one every single year where just crazy, strange things happen. Is that that week? Was that Week 9 for this year, this NFL season? Well, with so many games left, I think we'll see it again. A game that didn't get a lot of attention for being crazy, like you said, but to me it was. Arizona didn't have Kyler Murray, didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. On his second game in his career, Hopkins has missed because of an injury. And they got Colt McCoy, the quarterback, and they beat the hell out of the 49ers, 31-17. to I thought that was a tremendous performance. And with the Titans going into L.A. and beating the Rams, and I've joked here that it's obvious the Rams had a letdown after the Texans game and couldn't get up to the Titans, so they lose. That that makes Tennessee the best team in the AFC. Uh, and Arizona, a lot of people still don't quite believe that they can do it for the long haul, that another team, but, man, the Rams, the Rams beat up on the bad teams. But the Titans come in there without Henry and with Adrian Peterson, so old he had to have a rocking chair on the bench and he scores a <laughs> touchdown. That was very, very impressive. And uh, so it makes it pumps me up for the rest of the season. I've been covering the NFL now since 1977, and every year I think, man, it's not going to be another stretch drive or crunch time in December like it was before. But this one could be an all-time best. And another one, don't forget about the Browns. At one point, two weeks ago, I think the Bengals are in first place. The biggest surprise in the league. And the Browns, after the Odell Beckham Jr. controversy, they scored 41 points and beat them 41-16 in Cincinnati. Right. Yeah, that was a big one. I, I didn't see that one coming as well. I didn't see it coming down like a beatdown like that, but it absolutely was. And, John, before we let you go, I did want to ask you what you thought about this whole Aaron Rodgers situation. I know it's a week old now, but what did you think of that Aaron Rodgers situation, how it all shook out with him acting like he was vaccinated but ultimately was not? Well, Q, first of all, I've said this to you and DeMond. I've said it on every talk show I do, going back before the season and saying – if you're so selfish or so stupid or both that you don't get vaccinated and you get COVID-19, you're going to miss at least one game and you could hurt your team, yourself, your fans. And if they lose home field advantage by one game, who are they going to blame? Should right. be Aaron Rodgers. Now, I think if you're going to suspend Tom Brady for four games because they let a little air out of the football, 
Shouldn't Aaron Rodgers be suspended for that much? And the Packers let it go on where he didn't wear masks. He totally violated the rules. I have talked to teams, four people from four teams, and they are infuriated that their team has been fined for not wearing masks because the NFL has cameras in all the rooms, and they go back and investigate. Other owners got to be livid that the Packers just flaunted the rules and let him get away with this. I think they should take away number one draft choice from the Packers, and I think that if he needs to be suspended at least four games, but they don't have the guts to do it. Everybody says they're going to fine him. No suspensions, no taking away draft choices. I think that is an embarrassment on the NFL's part because the NFL knew that he had not been vaccinated, and this was a probability. You know, and I'm glad you brought up teams that have been fined. Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, he should be upset because the Raiders were hit hard, especially last year, hit hard by the COVID-19 uh, violations and all the penalties that they had to uh, go through. So, yeah, John, that's a great point that you bring up. Uh, what you got coming out on Texas Sports Nation, uh, the NFL fans should be on the lookout for it. I know it's a lot of great stuff. Well, one of the things I did is I do midseason grades, and there's no midseason now, so I waited because the Texans are nine games in. There's a lot of Fs. Then I did, instead of a best and worst, I did a worst and best of the first nine games. And got a column today about the Texans being a half game behind Detroit for the first overall pick and what they got to do to continue to live down to expectations and get that first draft choice. Q, DeMond, thank you guys very much as always. Absolutely, John. Thank you so much. Great stuff. Fantastic stuff, as a matter of fact, from the general, John McClain, Houston Chronicle. You can find him on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. That was great stuff right there from John. We definitely appreciate him each and every week as he joins the show. 319 is the time. Raider Nation, what do you think? John McClain said OBJ needs to be a Raider. He gave you the reasons why. Saw a lot of tweets. Saw some text messages rolling in. 69187, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with John? Do you disagree with John? How are you feeling? Holler at us. Let us know. This is Unnecessary Roughness live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Many thanks to John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Join us in the last segment. Before him, we had Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. And before that, leading us off today, getting his Ricky Henderson on, was Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm sure that's the only time in the history of history Ed Graney's been compared to Ricky Henderson. But he was the leadoff hitter for us today. John McClain was in the three-hole. And batting cleanup today for us is Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 News, covers every sport here in Las Vegas. She's going to join us in a matter of minutes to talk about UNLV getting the victory over New Mexico. Going to talk about UNLV basketball. Also, side note, and I saw this and I thought she did a fantastic job. I'll start off the interview with this. There's a young lady here that's going to be competing uh, in uh, the Dominican Republic. I saw it on the news this morning. It's my ritual, watch the news every single morning. Gets my mind right for the day. There's going to be a young lady performing, or not performing, but competing in the Dominican Republic in soccer from Las Vegas. What an opportunity, right? Under 17, getting to go to the Dominican Republic to try to live out your dream and potentially at some point become maybe a professional soccer player. That's awesome. I get so excited about that. And maybe as I get older, I just get a little bit more in touch with what really matters. And I know back in the day, I didn't really, youth sports wasn't my big thing. I didn't care to cover that and 
even high school sports. Until I got to Texas and really, you know, deep dive into high school football, I didn't really, I wasn't really the high school football guy. You weren't going to get me talking about high school football, but I love it now, and I love to see young, young people have that opportunity to compete. Young men and women have a chance to compete and do what they love to do for the love of the game. And then if something could turn into that, if they can make that into an opportunity to go to college or an opportunity to turn into a professional, awesome. College is the most important thing, which is what I tell my son all the time. Hey, man, you got an opportunity to go to college on someone else's dime because you can put a ball through the basket. Take advantage of that. If that turns into you becoming a professional, great. If it doesn't, who cares? you got a great education, and then you can have an opportunity to go and, and do something with it. And you won't have to be like your daddy and do about 18 different jobs and do about 25 different podcasts just to make it. But I'm not complaining, just saying. There's easier ways to get it done than the path I took. So I love to see young, uh, young men and women have opportunities to do what they want to do. Uh, Mailman Raider on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187 says, Q, if I'm OBJ, I'm looking at Nelly, Crabtree, etc., and I'm saying, yeah, if D.C. could do that for them, I could do much bigger things. If I'm the Raiders, I'm not looking his way, even if Mia Khalifa was standing behind him. <laughs> Shout out to Mia Khalifa. I could appreciate that. Who was my Mia Khalifa? I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe don't. No, no, no. I'm saying I'm not going to go, you know, where Mia Khalifa is. I'm not saying that. But, you know, Mia Khalifa is somebody that really stood out. Um, I'm trying to remember back in the day who was the one. I forget her name. She dated uh, Bow Wow for a little while. She was always one that I thought was was really a, a good, you know, model type person. I can't remember her name. I guess that doesn't help. Um and then the girl, I forget. I always forget her name. Oh no, I don't. Um, uh, Larue, uh, so and so Larue. Uh, she was on CSI Miami. Uh, Eva, Eva Larue. That one. Google her. Awesome. <laughs> CSI Miami. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of my favorite shows because of Eva Larue. <laughs> I'm a big J Lo fan though too. Not her music, but just her. You know, I like J Lo a lot, and I thought Eva Larue was like a bootleg J Lo. I, I, I don't have no problem with that. I, I can tell you that all the time. I, I'll admit this. I, I said this to my, you know the, everyone that listened to me in Central Texas multiple times. I, when I was delivering from FedEx, I went into a gas station one time, and I delivered a package, and I looked, and Eva LaRue was on the cover of a Brides magazine. You know that thick, big old magazine? It's like $10, but it's all full of wedding dresses and everything. She was getting married for, like I think, the fifth time. She's been married multiple times, similar to J-Lo. And I saw her on the cover of that magazine, and no doubt I bought it. I literally bought that magazine, knowing I had no business buying it. I'm not a person that needs a dress, but she was on the cover of that magazine, so I bought it. Real story. True stuff. That's a loyal fan right there. No, it is. But shout out to Eva LaRue when she was on CSI Miami. Her and Horatio Kane. Horatio was a cool dude, too. I always liked him. He always said something, he always said something like, It's getting hot. It's hot like fire. You know, or something stupid, but he always said it with that, like, he's really intense and he put his glasses down. You knew he be- meant business when Horatio Cain put his glasses down above his eyes. You know, he's like, yes, it's getting hot in here. Hotter than fire. Or, you know, something stupid. Hotter than fish grease. But he said it with such intensity, but in a calm, chill voice that you had to take him seriously. That was my show back in the day, CSI Miami. That was before uh, Law & Order SVU. I'm a big SVU fan now. 
But before there was Law & Order SVU, it was all about CSI Miami. And Eva LaRue was a big reason why. I do like Benson on, uh, on Law & Order SVU just because she's, she's so caring. She wants to help everybody. She wants to save the world. And at, at moments in life, she's not bad looking. But it's only like certain moments. You know when certain people go out and you're like, oh, they look pretty good today. And then you see them another day, you're like, ah, not, not so much. That's kind of how I kind of look at Benson. Anyway. <laughs> now everybody knows the kind of TV I'm watching when I ain't watching sports. How about this text? 69187, keyword r What's up, Q? OB Joe. OBJ, I'm sold. But I don't see it happening. Uh, Big Dub Raider. Thank you, John. Let's go get OBJ, too. Go Raiders. That's a good one. I'll tell you, John had a hell of an argument, right? <laughs> I mean, I've been on the fence. I've been, well, I haven't been on the fence. I've been on the record of saying that I don't think he's a good fit. But, man, John had a hell of an argument. Sure did make it sound convincing that that would be a good idea. I don't know what the Raiders decided to do. But, man, <laughs> he sure did make it sound good. Um, got a text going back to character issues with players. Would you welcome Marcus Peters or Tyreek Hill to the Raiders? I'll say this. I will say this. I believe unless you do something absolutely just way horrific that most people that make mistakes have, are, should be given the opportunity to, to – you know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't be just judged by one bad decision. Now, unless it's horrific. If it's Greg Hardy-like, you shouldn't get another option. If it's what happened with Henry Ruggs, shouldn't get another opportunity. Tyreek Hill, that was domestic violence. I don't think he should get an opportunity. But, again, as we see in the NFL, not Q, but in the NFL, domestic violence, you'll okay, you'll get a slap on the wrist. But if you could play, they'll give you an opportunity. I don't agree with it, but they'll do it. We've seen it how many times? A ton. So, no. As far as Tyreek Hill, I wouldn't welcome him to the Raiders because the Raiders have a strong policy against domestic violence. And I agree with it 100%. I don't think it's cool at any level. But the rest of the NFL is not the Raiders. They allow that at times. Marcus Peters, he had plenty of issues coming out of college when he got kicked out of Washington. I'll say this. I don't think Marcus Peters has been a problem in the league. Now, if there's an incident that you're thinking of specifically that I don't know about, okay, you can hit me up and tell me about it. But I think Marcus Peters has been a pretty good dude ever since he's been in the league. And really, the persona that he has, the character that he plays is exactly that. It's a character. He's not really the guy that most of the time you see and you think, oh, man, that dude's a goon. He's not really that dude. But where he came from, he kind of had to put on that front to stay, well, to stay ahead of the curve and not get himself caught up in a bunch of drama, if you understand what I'm talking about. Right now, someone who's never involved in drama on the phone lines from Fox 5 News, covers sports like a glove here in Las Vegas, is Paloma Villacana. And Paloma, we definitely appreciate your time. And before we get into anything UNLV-related, and I was talking about this before we connected with you, I saw a piece that you did, and it aired this morning, and I thought it was fantastic. And it was on a young lady who's going to be competing in the uh-huh. Dominican Republican in so- and D- Dominican Republic in soccer. Uh-huh. Tell no. me about that story. I thought you did a great job on it, and I'm so happy for that young lady to get that opportunity. Yeah, well, the soccer community here in Vegas is actually awesome. I've done a few stories here about some local kids that are really getting looked at. And so when I moved to Vegas, um, the first kind of community stories I really got my hands on was youth soccer here in the Valley. And the Lights at Sea actually do a lot with soccer here with 
high school kids, middle school kids, kids that are coming up. So um, this girl named Natalia Ortiz, she's 13 years old. She's just a local girl here in the Valley. She's coached by former Lights FC coaches, former Lights FC players. Um, so it's cool to see the Lights FC give back to the community and help help our local kids. But um, she's in the Dominican Republic this week training with their women's national team. So, um, And she's, she's just one of many really talented soccer players we have here in the Valley. I'm always getting tips and notes from family members and, and, and viewers being like, you know, my kid's playing with, you know, the men's national team. Um, you know, my daughter's going to this camp. And so it, it's, it's awesome. I don't cover soccer enough here in the Valley, but I should um, because there's some great talent here for sure. And um, it's, it's just an honor to get to, to know these kids and get to be in the community and, and get to hear their stories. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. And, again, you did a great job on the piece. I, I loved it when I was watching it this morning. But um, how fun is it to be able to cover the youth when it's just about, hey, I just love to play the game. It's not about I'm on the next level, I'm trying to win, I'm trying to get to the league to you know to be a professional. But it's just genuinely <laughs> about fun. Yeah, I love the, – those pieces are, are, are the pieces that I love. You know, the kids that are really giving it 150% practicing seven days a week. Um, you know, they have homework, they have school, they have other things, but they're really giving it their all. And it, it kind of reminds me of when I kind of first started in this business and I was in a small town in West Virginia. I met a lot of kids that were just humble, hungry, ready to get out of their small town, ready to grow and, and, and find find a school, find a find a job and, and and it's awesome to see these kids and how hard they work and just the raw love the raw talent that they have and it's inspirational to see kids work so hard it makes me look at myself and say you know I, I want to work as hard as this young girl is working seven days a week trying to get better at her sport so it's inspiring to see these kids and and get to learn how hard they're working and, you know, how much time and effort they're putting into this because they love what they do. So right. it's, it's inspiring. It really is. It really is. And, again, great job on that piece. I thought that was that was, that was a fun watch uh, when I woke up this morning Thank to you. check that out. Now, <laughs> as far you. as UNLV goes, that was a fun watch yeah. as well. And, look, you had a really good <laughs> Saturday, right? You uh, were there. With, you see yes. UNLV win over New Mexico. Your alma mater, TCU, beats Baylor. I mean, you really were winning on Saturday. Yeah. No, it was a good weekend. It was a great weekend, actually. Yeah, and it, was, it was just awesome, finally, to see UNLV win a game. You know, at halftime, they were leading in the third quarter. They were leading in the fourth quarter. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's coming. You know, they're going to win. So it, it was awesome to see. Uh, it, it was just awesome to see them finish. It was awesome to see the defense shut out the Lobos in the second half. It was awesome to see Cam Friel have a good game. It was awesome to see um, Kyle Williams have another great game. So, you know, it, the Rebels are trending in the right direction. They've been trending in the right direction all season, but it's been great to see them finally get the job done. And then, of course, Coach getting the Gatorade shower. It's just, you know, there's a lot of wins I've I've been a part of. There's I've been covering college football coast to coast, and, for some reason, that win just it felt much more of like a deserved win because it's been two years coming, two right. years coming for this program. So 
I think, you know, the whole staff, their excitement was through the roof because it's just, I, I personally don't know if I've covered a team that, you know, has lost so many games in a row. And these kids are coming from, you know, high school teams where they won the state championship. And, right. you know, they've, they're, they've been in victory lane for so long. So these kids have been through a lot with COVID and, and a winless season. So this win felt just a little bit more special on Saturday. Yeah, well, it was fun to watch, no doubt about that. We're talking right now with Paloma Villacana from uh, Fox 5 News here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Um, one guy that you didn't mention was the chuck wagon, Charles Williams. He's the all-time leading <laughs> rusher now for yeah. UNLV. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to be a foundational piece moving forward. I think that UNLV has some really good pieces to build around for sure, but uh, we all know that this is the last year for the chuck wagon. How excited were you yeah. for him to be the to get that record as far as rushing and then also to get that win that he he, just like the rest of the team, has been fighting for all season long. Charles Williams is one of the most humble guys I've ever met in my life. Anytime I talk to him about breaking the record or, you know, setting a new this, breaking this stat, setting this, he is never, ever like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, like killing it, you know. It's never about him. He's always reflecting that question back to his team. He's like, whatever I can do to help this team win. I just want to see my guys win. I just want to get a win for our program. I just want to finish the season strong. So he's, I mean, I, I know he's happy. He says he's happy. He's excited. You know, it feels good. But he never, ever takes a compliment. You know, he never accepts a compliment. He works so hard. And, and that's just his attitude. He always reflects a question like that back to his team, back to his, his coaches and his staff. And he's just like, you know, I credit the strength and conditioning, I credit my coaches, I credit my teammates, you know, I credit the O-line, you know, it's never about him. And that's why we love the Chuck Wagon. Right, right. You know, he's, a, he's a great dude on and off the field. Really respect him, and I haven't even been around long enough to really get to know him that close, but from a distance could tell that he's a really good dude. Now, Paloma mm-hmm. DeMond, he's in the studio, a proud UNLV alum. He has a question for you as well. Yeah, Paloma, What's this that? was your first episode of Rib Zone coming off of a victory, was there anything different that you can see in Coach Arroyo's, like, energy going into that show? Because it's his first time on the show after a win, your t- your first time hosting the show after a win? Did it feel a little bit different? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it was great to see him excited after the game on Saturday. I think after the game on Saturday, he was, you know, in good spirits. Obviously, we saw him turn up in the locker room of, you know, he's he's very he's locked in. Coach is locked in. Like <laughs> I'm sure he's happy. I'm sure he it feels good to to get a win and I, a confidence booster for sure for him, for his kids, you know, for the staff, for everyone. Um but yeah, I mean coach coach is locked in. He's strictly business. He's all right, okay, we won on to on to Hawaii, you know, right. continuing to work. Um but me personally, I, I saw a complete mood change on the plane home when we got back to to uh, UNLV at practice today. I mean, it just feels like everyone has a better energy, a better vibe around the team right now. Obviously, you know, they got to win. So I know Coach is proud of his team. I know he's super proud of his staff and, and his guys. And But it, he's he's all business. He's all lost in, um, you know, ready ready to work. But I can tell he was proud of his guys for sure. 
Yeah, no, you can see that. And I was happy for him that he was able to get that W. And I know he's got a plan. I know he's got a plan in place. He's been getting some really good verbal commits. So, I mean, there's, there's a squad that's coming. They just got to see some wins. And I think this win against New Mexico is going to go a long way. And you mentioned Hawaii. What do they have to do to build on that? They're hosting Hawaii this week at Allegiant Stadium. How do they take that win and translate it and turn it into two wins? Yeah, well, we were kind of talking about that rivalry week. There's kind of a rivalry with Hawaii and UNLV, this being the ninth island. There are a ton of Polynesians on the UNLV football team. So a lot of these guys have played the guys on the Hawaii football team. They've grown up with the guys on the Hawaii football team. And, you know, Cam Freels from um, Hawaii and a lot of the guys are, are Hawaiian on the UNLV football team. So there's a little bit of tension, a little bit of, like, you know, rivalry between Hawaii and UNLV. And, um, you know, last year Chuck went off, and it was kind of a heated, chippy game last year. So I'm excited to see kind of that emotion, that that rivalry emotion this Saturday. But um, Hawaii is 4-6. and six. They've lost two straight to Utah State and San Diego State. So um, they got a great quarterback, though. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Um, he's, you know, really talented junior quarterback with the Rainbow Warriors. So... Defense has got to lock in again. They did a great job shutting out the Lobos in the second half of uh, Saturday's game. So if the defense can lock in and, and contain their QB, and if the Chuck Wagon can show off his hula dancing again in the end zone, <laughs> um, you know, it'll be a great game. But, yeah, the Hawaii, the UNLV rivalry game, it's always, it's always uh, fun because the atmosphere is fun. There's tons of Hawaiian fans and in the stands and everything and being the ninth island here in Vegas. So I'm looking forward to it for sure. No, I am too. I'm excited and pumped up about it. And again, hoping that they can find a way to translate that one win, turn it into two wins, get on a little bit of a roll and really start to feel good about themselves. We're talking right now with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 News here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And my man Damon in the studio wants to switch things up and talk a little hoops as UNLV, the running Rebels, right. get underway Let's tomorrow. Damon, what you got? All right, Paloma, I just want to get your expectations. I know UNLV has a couple of transfers from UNQ's neck of the woods back there in Texas, <laughs> but do you think that those Big 12 transfers, are they going to make the difference for the Rebels? Because for me, I'm thinking, hey, maybe a top three finish in the conference. Yeah, these guys look really, really good. I've seen them in practice. Um, the energy is just different this year. The physicality is just different this year. I mean, you, you have guys who have played four years at Texas, two years at Oklahoma, three years at West Virginia. So not only are these just transfers, these guys have played four years at mm -hmm. Texas, you know, two years at Texas, three years at West Virginia. So, you know, they have some Big 12 talent that we're going to see tomorrow night. I'm just ready to see them in action. You know, with practice, it's great to see them go up against each other. They look fast. They look energized. They're super physical. Um, and, and there's a lot of chemistry. Like, I've talked to all the players, and they've said that they're so proud of the chemistry they've been able to find with each other in the short amount of time of nine new players on this team, only wow. three starters returning. So a completely brand-new team with, you know, new coach Kevin Kruger. So they've told me they're just excited to finally play someone else, play another team, you know, see – see what they really look like. And we were talking to Kevin Kruger today, and he was like, yeah, I want to see what we look like tomorrow. And, of course, it'll be the first game. So their first game is going to look different than their fifth game, tenth right. game, fifteenth game. So I think as the season goes on, we'll start to see more 
of uh, you know them them finding their their chemistry and gelling together by you know the the, the end of the month. You know, and, and I wanted to ask you about Kevin Kruger, new head coach for the Running Rebels. What is his energy? What is his vibe? What kind of what, what kind of feeling do you get from him as he is <laughs> trying to put together this team with a bunch of like you said yeah. new players? Kruger is awesome. He's awesome. There's just a family culture about him, his dad, his players. Every time we walk into Mendenhall Center where they're practicing, it just feels like a family in there. It feels really tight. Um, he looks like he's really close to the players. He's so nice. Always fist bumps all the reporters, and, you know, he answers all our questions. And he's great. He just It just feels like it feels right. I don't know how to explain it. It just feels right, and I can't wait to see him tomorrow. And he said he's excited. He said he's, you know, first time as a head coach inside the Thomas and Matt where he played, his dad coached. I mean, there's just history there. So what a cool moment for him tomorrow night. I can't wait to see him and, and how he leads his, his new group. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Can't wait for hoops to get uh, started. Like you said, gets underway tomorrow at the Thomas and Mack Center. Very excited about that. And Paloma, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned uh, uh, Marcus Arroyo, head coach of the uh, the football team, the Rebels. Uh, he gets the the Powerade uh, bath. I, I I wanted to make sure you were okay. I saw you in the scrum. I saw you really close, and it looked like a few guys may have bumped into you. And these are guys with pads on, and you're not padded up. Now I wanted to make sure you were doing okay, and you yeah. didn't get you didn't get powerated. Hey, anything you know, you got to do it for the insta. You got to do it for the video. You know, you got to get your clip, and you know what, you got to do what you got to do. You know, so. I, I I'm around football players. I'm around basketball players. Like these guys are big, and I'm you know small, but you gotta do it. You gotta do it. There you go. You <laughs> hold your own. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> held your own. Great job. Uh, fantastic job covering the game. I was watching uh, from the house and the whole game, and uh, yeah, and of course uh, you're our go-to when we talk all things UNLV. So I definitely appreciate you. What you got coming out uh, that Rebel fans should be on the lookout for? Oh, it'll be so much fun. We're going to sit down with Lee Fatanu, their, their starting center. He's from Hawaii. So kind of doing a Hawaii feature, Hawaii theme for uh, there's so many Polynesians on, on the UNLV football team. So it'll be kind of cool to sit down and, and get to know um, Cam Friel from Hawaii. So many guys are um, Polynesian on the football team. So doing a big Hawaii football show and then I got the running Rebels. Like, let's go. We got <laughs> basketball season. It's here. Yo, November? Like, I'm done. Don't text me. Don't call me. <laughs> like, I'm going to be half awake on your show. Like, it's, it's, it's go time, you know? Right. It is. It is. And, and when you go, you go. And we appreciate you when you go. So thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the games. Great job again, as always, on the shows. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. There she goes. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 News, covers sports here in Las Vegas like a glove. Again, fantastic feature she had this morning uh, on the soccer player, the 13-year-old that's getting the opportunity to play in the Dominican Republic. That really is a, a cool deal. So uh, maybe if you go online and check it out, if you didn't get to see it, uh, I think you'd probably, probably enjoy seeing it and checking it out. So uh, she did a fantastic job. You can find her on Twitter, at Paloma Villacana, and here with us on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. 3.48 is the time. When we come back, I got a couple more text messages I'll get to, and then we'll pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy in the huddle. is going to be coming up next, but we got to close out the hour first. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Just a couple minutes left in today's show. It's been fast and furious, fantastic. Appreciate everyone who's chimed in. Calls, texts, tweets, it's all good. Vinny Bonsignor, Lincoln Kennedy, coming up next, going to hold it down. Got a couple text messages I want to get to before the uh, the show is over. Trying to check a couple tweets as well. Guess I probably should have done that, I don't know, in the last couple minutes commercial break. But hey, let me get to a couple text messages. Glenn in San Jose hit us up on the Sam and Ash text line. Q, OBJ has already stated his first choice is assigned with the Packers. Glenn, thank you. I appreciate that. You're right. We've said that multiple times on the show today, and that's true. That's his first choice. And maybe Green Bay comes to agreement with him. I'm not saying that he's going to sign with the Raiders. John McClain, when he was had us on, and if you want to go back and listen to the show, I encourage it. Um, he was he he was on at three o'clock at the top of the hour. He was fantastic and made a great case for OBJ. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I've been on record as saying I don't think it should happen. But he made a good, great case on why it should happen. So I'm just throwing it out there. But, yeah, we, we, we've heard about Packers, the Saints, and the Patriots. Uh, how about this text? Q, do you know – we're talking about uh, Law & Order SVU now. <laughs> great conversation. Q, do you know Benson's real-life mom was James Mansfield? Yes, I did know that, and thank you for the text. Isn't that – and I'm trying to be as sensitive as possible. Didn't she get like decapitated? I guess there's no really way of being sensitive about that. But didn't she get in some kind of really bad car accident and get decapitated? Yeah, that that is that is true. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I heard about that, and that's when the last time I heard about that was the last time I was talking about Law and Order SVU. That is one of my favorite shows. I will watch a replay of that, knowing what's going to happen. But I love that show, especially Ice T. That's my guy. Oh, you Ice T's the best man. He's dope. He's awesome. He's great. Um. Got a text, OBJ playing for a new contract and you don't want him? I'll take him. Oh, that's a good point. Look, again, John made great points. I've, I've been on the record of saying, hey, I think that, you know, he'd do more harm to the the, the locker room than good. But, man, <laughs> he made good points. This just in before we, we turn the sticks over to Lincoln Kennedy and Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle. I guarantee their next two hours are going to be fantastic. Odell Beckham Jr. has also spoken with Patriots, Chiefs, and Saints. So there you go. Just going to go ahead and leave that out there. Yeah, I'm going to wrap it up on that note. 3.55 is the time. Many thanks to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, for having me here. Vinny will be here on Thursday to close it down. And, uh, yeah, it's always fun being here. And thank you to everyone who chimed in on the show today and, of course, all of our fantastic guests that we had on this Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow in studio at 2 o'clock. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'll holler.